Two factors are driving military spending priorities, or ought to be. The shift in strategy to great powers competition and the need to restore the U.S. technological edge, or offset. Data analysts at Govini looked at five years of DOD spending to determine whether spending on research, development, test, and evaluation, RDT&E, reflects those priorities. Joining me with what they found, Govini CEO Tara Murphy-Doherty. Ms. Doherty, good to have you on. Good to be here. Thank you, Tom. So Govini has done a series of reports on how well federal spending, especially in the DOD area, matches the stated goals of the National Defense Strategy. This time we're looking at research, development, test and evaluation, RDT and E spending. First of all, for 2019, and I guess we don't know what the 2020 is going to look like yet, but give us a sense of how much the government does spend on that area in the first place. Overall, we're seeing trends going in what we think is the right direction, given the NDS priorities. Over the FY15 to 19 period, DOD's RDT&E investments grew by about 40%, and they're slated to surpass $100 billion in FY20. So as you can see, there is not just a significant investment being made, but as I mentioned, trending in the right direction. And when we talk about those topics, research, development, test, and evaluation, it's not necessarily that all of that money is for the brand new, correct? Could they also be testing and evaluating existing systems that might have been just, say, upgraded or renewed in some way? Absolutely. And that's one of the most interesting aspects of this entire dynamic. The question about the extent to which the department is continuing to invest in sustainment of existing platforms and longstanding capabilities that have served the warfighter well, but over the past four decades, balancing those investments against key investments in emerging technologies that we believe are really critical to, and the department believes are really critical to a potential future warfight with China or with Russia. That's the crux of the issue. And so far, what we're seeing is that this is an area where DOD is taking initial steps to make those key investments, but a significant amount of work remains to be done. So, for example, DOD spending on manned platforms overall received almost four times as much RDT&E funding as unmanned platforms over the time period that we were looking at. Again, that five-year span from FY15 to FY19. Not necessarily a bad thing to continue to invest in manned platforms, but if you think about the RDT&E portfolio or account in particular, we really want to see this as the initial phase of moving increasingly toward those emerging technologies. And from the data, can you discern how much of that really is aimed toward that leading edge and the change in doctrine toward great power competition? Well, we look at that across the entire portfolio, and we can see that in cases such as air and missile defense and C4 ISR and advanced autonomous systems, we see spending absolutely on the rise. There are other areas such as readiness, resiliency, next-generation combat platforms where we actually have seen a decrease in spending. And so just looking across the entire portfolio, it's really helpful to dig into the actual data in order to determine whether those balances are right. Because you have these structures that have been in place, like the defense unit experimental, each of the armed services seems to have its own experimental so-called focused organization. And then you've also got the OTA spending, which is supposed to be for prototyping, which is on the increase. So can you sift out what spending goes through those organizations and then compare that to the OTA spending to get some sense of how much is really leading edge spending? 
We can, actually, and that is one area where we've seen significant strides. So the department has increased its use of non-traditional contracting mechanisms, which include OTAs and are particularly designed to target this community of more innovative companies. And that spending grew by about 67% over the 15 to 19 time period. I think whether we are actually working with non-traditional defense companies or non-traditional companies that are interesting to the defense market overall is still an outstanding question. We're certainly engaged, the department's engaging these companies with the question of whether they've sort of reached the right threshold in terms of getting what we want out of the relationships or engaging sufficiently remains to be seen. We're speaking with Tara murphy Doherty. She is the CEO of Govini. And you're also projecting in this report that the budget for RDT&E is projected to decline, which doesn't seem like the right trend for an armed services, a military establishment that's trying to rebuild its competitive edge or its, its offset. Exactly. And I think that's a question mark that DOD should turn into uh, a declarative statement in terms of adding some clarity to the long-term outlook here is show whether out in beyond just the five-year term, uh, whether investments are likely to continue to trend um, the way that we're seeing them trend with, with the focus of the National Defense Strategy on modernization. As of right now, DOD is projected to spend nearly the same amount in the RDT&E account in fiscal year 2033 as it did in fiscal year 2017. And while we don't know exactly what the geopolitical environment will look like, the geostrategic competitions that we're in in 2033, I would argue that we should probably be carrying out this approach longer than I think we currently are. Sure. And there's one other kind of super trend over all of this, and that is the rest of the world has caught up and surpassed the United States in this type of research and development spending in the years since the Vietnam era, even though the United States spends in an absolute sense more than it did, the percentage of work being done here in the United States has declined. Yes, this is a really interesting story, and uh, you're absolutely right. In 1967, the Department of Defense alone matched the entirety of R&D spending of the Soviet Union. And now we see that there is not only a rise from other players around the globe uh, in research and development investment, but within the United States, there's been a significant shift in the balance between research and development taking place in the commercial sector versus the R&D that's coming out of the Department of Defense. So by 2017, China had nearly matched the entire U.S. R&D spending, both commercial and defense-related. And the department in particular has fallen from 19% of global research and development spending to only about 4%. If these trends continue, then China is absolutely poised to overtake the United States in overall research and development funding in the coming years. Sounds like the bottom line is then that the spending really does not align with what are the stated priorities of the U.S. military in the world. 
Yeah, I think that we need to look not just at what makes sense within the United States, but certainly how we're investing and what we're investing in vis-a-vis our competitors. One of the further complicating issues at play here is that the Chinese internal or national system does not reflect a similar structure in the United States. So we hold ourselves to standards that impact how we pursue research and development efforts in a way that China does not. And that has a qualitative impact on the pace with which they are moving toward militarization of core R&D technologies. That has an an overall impact on our competition with them as well. So there are essentially at least two different factors, if not more, that need to be considered as we compete in this realm. And while we have you, you should probably explain the methodology that Govina uses which is not to look at the spreadsheets that come out of the federal budget process. That's right. So we attack everything that we're touching in in this national security space from a big data approach and doing so at scale. We really believe that the answers lie in the data and that the department and the rest of the United States federal government can continue to move in a direction of data-backed decision-making. And I think that we're hearing that from our senior leaders, that that's an important direction to continue to move. We're seeing the department in particular continue to rely on on data more and more. Gavini applies artificial intelligence and machine learning to our own data set and government data sets as well in partnership with different federal entities in order to really pull the insights from the entirety of the data that's available to us, not just the portion of data that a human analyst can sort of wrap their heads around and and make sense of. Tara Murphy-Darty is the CEO of Govini. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.